When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I really had a lot of fun talking about Lower Decks on our Lower Decks episode prior to this one. Me too. That's fun. I I like that we can keep them separate because, uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, this show, we want to make sure to keep it spoiler free. Uh, for all of the people who maybe aren't watching Lower Decks or can't watch Lower Decks yet. I, I like that we're doing that. I think that's uh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, and I just want to thank the listeners because we've seen the number of downloads we're getting for our book review of Strangers from the Sky, where we had Margaret Wonder Bonanno on, and it's performing really well. And we didn't know if, you know, if everybody would listen to it, and maybe people downloaded it but didn't listen to it. I don't know, but it seems like we're hitting the right strides here of doing books and doing episodes and stuff and then keeping this our flagship show because i don't like i like you saying flagship i don't like main show Mm -hmm. i like flagship show that sounds really good but on today's show we will talk about some updates on the movies you know we keep hearing about new movies coming and the stories keep changing and we've got more story changing on movies and we're also going to talk about an online series for deep space nine that's pretty interesting. We also have some info from Mike McMahon about Lower Decks, and we have some stuff about the books and comics and some other stuff. So we'll get to that in a moment. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson. Dan, Gunther, in the house, as always. Thank you, Dan, for being here. Always happy to be here. Always happy to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, this makes my day whenever we get to sit down and do this show. I always get excited even more so when we're done recording. Because after we've talked about it, I get off the mic and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about Star Trek. Just talking about it with you just gets me all jazzed up. And then it's like we get off the mics and I'm like, now I want to watch Star Trek or read Star Trek or do something Star Trek now because it's like now really like jazzed up and in my blood. (laughs) Totally. I feel exactly the same way. (laughs) Just call me the Star Trek cheerleader. Yay, yay, (laughs) S-T-A-R-T-R-E-K. I hope I spelled that right. Because I don't always get things right. I don't so, know. That actually sounded like my uh, my Twitter handle, but backwards. That was weird. <laughs> it does. I should do your Twitter handle backwards. Like, yeah, I did it backwards. I should do it frontwards. Anyway, very confusing. <laughs> so before we get into all that wonderful stuff I mentioned about earlier, we did get an email from somebody named Dan that our Dan pulled and uh, just Hey, I think this is some of the first feedback that we've ever read here on the show. And we'll just go ahead and read this email, if that's cool with you, Dan, about Dan's email. Absolutely. So this is from early uh, back when our first couple episodes were talking about our Star Trek stories. 
And we asked listeners to like send us their Star Trek stories. And we got this one from this gentleman named Dan. He says, I'm a senior, so I remember the first showing of The Man Trap, TOS, when I was in high school. I was a big sci-fi fan, so I was really looking forward to this. It left me totally confused. This was not an introductory episode. Where were they? When are they? Who's this guy with the funny ears? I just didn't get it. I would watch occasional episodes afterwards, and the answers to my questions did get answered, but I just wasn't that into it. But in the early 80s, when my sister and her kids were visiting from California, my nephew and I went to the movies to see The Wrath of Khan. This was great. I was hooked. Somehow I missed Star Trek III, but starting with The Voyage Home, I've seen every new Trek when it comes out. I also started reading the books. I've read well over 200 books. Whenever a series ended, I read every book about that series when it came out. Since those books were the only new continuations of those series, I always felt those books should be canon. When I discovered Literary Treks and Positively Trek, I had to listen to each podcast. I tend to be a completionist. I enjoy them especially when you have the authors on. My favorite series is DS9, or maybe now Picard. Keep up the good work. So thank you, Dan, so much for that. That was really fun to read. And uh, yeah, I love these different stories of how people became fans of Star Trek. And it sounds like this was a fairly long journey, you know, initially watching TOS, not really getting it, but then uh, coming around to loving it thanks to Wrath of Khan, you know, Ricardo Montalban will do that to you. He'll just bring you right in. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I relate a lot to this story. Of course, I wasn't in high school when The Man Trap came out. I was born a year later. But my story is very similar because when I would see this in reruns, I was the same way. What is this? Where are they going? What's going on? And I really wasn't that into it. And I did see the motion picture in the theaters. And when Wrath of Khan came out, I got more interested in Star Trek. I was probably more into the movies than the TV show. But then later, I started getting more into TNG. I started reading the novels. It's kind of similar type situation here. And now I'm reading and watching everything and i'm doing a podcast now like what am i doing i'm getting so into star trek after all these years so yeah i really appreciate you sending that in it's really cool to hear everybody's stories and i would love for others to send emails similar to this tell us about your fandom tell us how you got into star trek and why you love star trek or whatever and uh we'd love to hear from you and maybe we'll covered on the show just like this definitely yeah positively trek at gmail.com if you want to send to us directly uh you can also leave messages on our website at positively trek.libson.com so yeah however you want to get a hold of us we would love to hear from you well and speaking of movies we do have our movie update as we promised earlier in the show and i get excited when we get a movie update but at the same time i always take it with a grain of salt I'm always like, look, is this going to happen or not? I don't know. Is this true or not? I don't know. My theory is always, or what I always do is I just look at things and say, you know what? A movie is not happening until they say action. If they say action and they're filming, then I know more than likely we're going to get that movie. And this is the case right now. We're getting this information that the new Star Trek movie that was announced about a year ago that will be directed by Noah Hawley is happening, but maybe not happening because now we have a new chief in charge at Paramount and that's Emma Watts. And Emma has decided maybe we should go back to beyond and continue that whole 
fourth movie in that series of movies get Chris Hemsworth back and still maybe do the Quentin Tarantino movie even though he probably won't direct it they still have the rights they have the story concept I just almost at a point where I don't want to hear this. Just let me know when we're doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's certainly a lot going on. So yeah, the Noah Hawley one is being described as being put on pause at the moment. And then the most interesting part to me was the idea of, like you said, the Tarantino movie, but that it might be earthbound in a 1930s gangster setting. So like a piece of the action, but on the big screen, I don't know. Now I'm like, okay, what is this script? Like whether or not this movie gets made, you know, in 20 years or whatever, I want to see like the script, you know, like what is this? (laughs) Yes, I agree. You know, it doesn't surprise me that we're hearing it could be something like piece of the action, but at the same time, it's like, I can see where somebody just, there's a rumor of that because it sounds like something Quentin Tarantino would do, you know, Mm -hmm. but I would actually really welcome that because I would like an old style TOS type series where it visits a planet that resembles earth, which is wacky and kind of weird anyway from TOS because they did it because of budget reasons and are using existing sets and costumes from the lot. But wouldn't that be funny to see and not just funny, but, interesting if you did it the right way to put that on the big screen i could think that would be fun and maybe attract a more general audience to go see it aka like the voyage home yeah that's a good point you know that i never thought of that but that could be a kind of an attempt to recapture what the voyage home did for star trek movies as well that's a that's a good point so again just give us something but i'm getting the sense that now that Viacom and CBS have merged together again to create Viacom CBS, that they are really looking into Star Trek because I'm seeing other things and I'm reading things and and observing things that just kind of say that they have this valuable IP. I keep hearing that lately and they want to do something with it. So I'm picturing CBS and Paramount executives talking to each other. And of course, Emma Watts, who's the new film chief, saying, what are we going to do with this IP? We have Star Trek going on all access, but what more can we do with this? What other directions can we explore with this franchise? And one of the things I want to point out is I did see a video this morning that was on Twitter from the Viacom CBS handle. That was a short video promoting all the different Star Treks that are going on right now under that banner of Viacom CBS and they even show the novels and they Hmm. also mentioned the fact that they have recently created a streaming Star Trek channel on Mm Pluto.tv and which is called Pluto TV but that's the URL if you go to it but yeah you can download the app from Pluto TV which is owned by Viacom CBS and I have gone to that channel just randomly I'll go to Pluto TV on my phone and they've been showing episodes of TNG and I just fall in the middle of a TNG episode and I just start watching it. That's pretty cool. I haven't been able to check that out myself, but that sounds really neat. I I like that idea that there's just somewhere out there that's just playing continuous episodes of Star Trek 24 seven. That makes me happy. (laughs) I've always wanted to see something like that. and Now one exists, but that's, I I just feel like there's a lot of synergy right now at Viacom CBS when it comes to Star Trek. So 
my sense is, yes, we're getting new things on all access, but I think they're looking, how can they go beyond that? And of course, Nickelodeon is going to have Prodigy. But I really think we're going to start to see even more Star Trek than we've been getting, which is amazing in itself, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is, you know, a terrific time to be a Star Trek fan. You know, the more Star Trek, the better. Is that really true, though? I think it is. You know, people talk about franchise fatigue. For me, what franchise fatigue really meant in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s was it was a lot of Star Trek created by the same people. And I think they got fatigued with making Star Trek. That's why it kind of felt all the same and, you know, that sort of thing. But in this current climate, you know, right now on television, we've got Discovery, Picard, and Lower Decks, which are all completely different and made by different people, right? And I, I think that's the way to do it, you know, not just, you know, Enterprise episodes that are rehashes of Deep Space Nine and Voyager episodes and TNG episodes, but not being controlled and, and made and written by the same people that, that have been writing it for you know, 20 years instead moving on and making it uh, new and fresh with different faces and different people in the writer's room and in, on the creative side, like Mike McMahon and Kirsten Beyer and uh, Michael Chabon and all of these great names and new faces that have brought, you know, new and interesting ideas to Star Trek. Yeah, no matter what your opinion is on how they're handling the franchise and whether you like it or not, I think this is a smart move that they're giving different flavors to track so that it doesn't all feel the same and that it appeals to people in different ways. So I think that's a really great point. But uh, And maybe we'll see that in the movies. So this information came from Deadline.com. So if you want to check that out, just go to Deadline.com and check out their article. But I was also looking at TrekMovie.com and... This part was interesting to me because Alexander Siddig, who played Bashir, is doing a four-part remote series with different Deep Space Nine actors where they're reading a original script written by kind of a fan slash actor of a... I'm trying to say it's... Do you remember the documentary that we got on Deep Space Nine that talked about a season eight? This is even a follow-up to that season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we left behind, yeah. I haven't watched any of these yet, but right now there's four episodes of the series that are out right now. And they're doing it online, on Zoom. You know, they're not in the same room, but they're reading their characters. So we have Andrew Robinson playing Garrick, and of course we have Alexander playing Bashir. Then we have Sirik Lofton playing Jake Sisko, and we have Nana Visitor playing, of course, our favorite first officer in Deep Space Nine, Kira Nerys. So I haven't watched these, Dan. Have you? I haven't yet, but they're definitely on my list to check out here. I also love, we also get Armin Shimmerman as Quark, and he's wearing the teeth that he wore as Quark, presumably just to get his voice just right as Quark is quark i love that i forgot about that i did see a photo of that and it freaked me out at first i was like oh my <laughs> gosh he's got bad teeth oh there's the quark teeth in there but yeah so yeah check this out i mean it might be uh, fun to listen to and watch it's at sidcity.net that's s-i-d-c-i-t-y dot net and check that out because i i know i will Definitely. And, and check out the show notes for the episode, because I will, of course, have links to all of these that we talk about in there uh, for you to 
go to. And then let's talk go back to Lower Decks because series showrunner Mike McMahon was on a podcast called How to Kill an Hour podcast, which that's a great name because that's essentially what all podcasts are doing is killing an hour. <laughs> and he starts talking about the California class ship, the USS Cerritos. And this is what he had to say. He said, the ship is in great condition. It's a California class ship, which has always existed in Starfleet. This is what we're saying, that they're the utility support ships. In the California class line, there are three types of hull painting. There's blue, red, and yellow. Dan, that's just like our artwork for our different episodes. Yeah, crazy. I wonder where we both got that idea from. Hmm. <laughs> he goes on to say, we've extended the visual metaphor of the uniforms to the ships. Oh, of course. It's like the uniforms. It's oh. like the uniform. You finally caught up to us. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> and the Cerritos has yellow on the hull because it's primarily a second contact engineering ship. They show up to the planets that need engineering stuff done on them in order to be able to communicate with the Federation. There's also, you'll see in the show, blue-hulled California-class ships, which are usually deployed to places where there has been a more medical expertise, and red-hulled ships that are like for moving around ambassadors and doing more command-level stuff. I think that's really cool. I think that's a great idea. I'd yeah. love to see some episodes that involve these other ships. I like it. And it sounds like from what he's saying, we will see that. Uh, I, I like that because I know a lot of people were asking like, what's with that yellow stripe on the ship? You know, what's that about? So I, I love that it, it serves an actual purpose. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of thought having been put into this. That's really cool. Well, he also talks about the design of the Cerritos, and I'm not going to read all his quotes, but he always liked the Reliant from the Wrath of Khan. So that was the first starting point for him, was that kind of look, but doing in the TNG era and kind of looking like our favorite TNG ship, the D, well, maybe your favorite's the E, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, they did a lot of work on this and looked at a lot of ships. And he's always surprised how people online are saying, quote, well, wait a minute, engineering section is removed and put in between the nacelles. And he's like, come on, guys. They were diagonal turbo lifts in the D. And his wife even point out that they have diagonal turbo lifts, well, elevators in the Lexor in Las Vegas. So if we have that technology now, we can have it in the future. Yeah. And one of the complaints I've been seeing is people like, well, you have to go through the warp nacelle to get there. And that's crazy. There's radiation in there. You wouldn't just like go into the warp engine. And I'm like, you guys have not watched Star Trek. Like the episode Eye of the Beholder, which, you know, we mentioned in our uh, review of the first Lower Decks episode that dropped yesterday before this podcast came out. Uh, in in that episode, there are scenes that take place in what's called the nacelle control room inside the warp engine, the warp engine nacelle of the Enterprise D. And they're right in front of a big portal that shows like the plasma getting injected into the warp engine and stuff like, yeah, there, there are people working inside the warp nacelles. It's not a completely devoid of life space. There are there are officers that work in there all the time. So, yeah, no, there's no problem going through there to get to the deflector control or whatever. Whatever. And if Dan knows, then it's true. 
<laughs> well, always, I mean, never just blindly trust somebody that says they're an expert. But yeah, that that is <laughs> that is true. <laughs> In my mind, Dan is the expert, especially on this show. I'm just the guy that says, hey, isn't that cool? And Dan's like, let me explain to you what that really is. <laughs> or, hey, it's pronounced this way. And Dan's like, no, it's not. It's pronounced that way. So I do like the attention to detail that they're given to the ship. I originally wasn't a big fan of the ship, but we were just seeing one angle. And that's why I was like, well, I want to see more of it. And I'm really loving the look of the ship. I really do like it. So Yeah, I, I want an Eagle Moss model of it. Do you think they'll do one? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> They're working on it right now. I hope so. Yeah. Last thing I want to touch on are books and comics, because we love the books and comics just as much as we like the episodes and the movies. And I want to mention that we do have a new comic that just recently came out. It's Star Trek Year 5, number 13, Guide of Fire, part one. Now... 12 issues have already come out on year five. If you haven't read them, you're missing something great. They're really good. Take place in the TOS era, of course, the fifth year of the Enterprise. And we're not going to go into details of the comic right now. I just want to mention that it's out because on our book show, we will cover the comics. Now, if you ever listen to us on Literary Treks, we did a little different there. We would review the comics as they came out. In this case, we're going to do it more in chunks. So probably when... The next six issues come out that uh, we'll go and review them as a whole on an episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, have you had a chance, Bruce, to read this issue yet? Just out of curiosity. I have read half of it. I was going to read the other half this morning, but didn't get around to it. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm really curious where this particular storyline is going. So, you know, without revealing too much to the readers, I, I do want to say, go pick this up. Year five has been an incredible series. And this start of this next chapter is really fascinating to coin a phrase. <laughs> I think we can give a hint and just say that it's leading very strongly into the end of their five years. Yeah, definitely. So if you're interested to know more about that, check out this comic. You can get it online. Of course, a lot of comic stores aren't open right now because of COVID-19, but you can download an e-copy of it. And, uh, and I'm sure that the next few issues that come out are going to be in a trade paperback. And that's the collection we would review on the future episode of the book club shows. So, and we do have another book club coming out. We had Strangers from the Sky earlier, and now we're going to go into More Beautiful Than Death, which is a new Star Trek book that takes place in the Kelvin timeline written by David Mack. And David's going to come on the show, and we're going to review that in our next book club episode. And that should be coming out on, and you know, I should have had the calendar up, but it's Friday the 14th. No. The no, 21st. 21st. The 21st. Yeah. Friday the 21st. <laughs> check out that episode with David Mack and we'll review the Kelvin Timeline novel that he's releasing. Yeah. And that book is out and available now. So make sure to go pick that up if you don't have it already or download it digitally, however you get your books. I know for a fact this is one that David Mack has said he is very proud of 
And, you know, it's been 10 years since he's written it and he's probably so eager to get it out now. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading this just based on what he's said about it. So I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've been waiting 10 years to read this. <laughs> yeah, I'm really anxious to read it. And yeah, the day this episode drops is the day the book releases. So yeah, it's out there right now. So I can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want the ebook or the physical book. I'm just not sure. I'm always debating that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always back and forth, but we'll see. So, speaking of books, one thing I want to touch on is an article that we have in Trek Collective about some book updates that were announced at Comic Con. Now, there's not a whole lot of detail here, but it sounds as if we have some new writers coming into the fold. And we have Cassandra Rose Clark, who has written several sci-fi and fantasy adult and young adult novels, coming in and writing a novel focused on Crusher and Troy. And I think this is a great opportunity to really focus on two characters that, I mean, we've read a lot of books and there are prominent, but really just focus on these two women characters. And that's really what the author is trying to convey here is she wants to give more attention to them instead of just being the oh, the counselor and the doctor, these two women, they're helping support the other guys or whatever, but really give them something to chew on. And I'm really anxious to read this. Yeah, I'm loving this because a lot of what they're doing seems to be bringing new voices in. And, you know, Cassandra Rose Clark is one such voice who, you know, is maybe writing from a perspective we don't see a lot of in the novel verse lately. I do love the idea of bringing in new voices and new perspectives. So yeah, this one in particular, like you said, Crusher and Troy, they're sometimes relegated to be just the girls. They do the girl stuff, but uh, you know, to kind of bring a new look to those characters and a new role for them, I think is very compelling. And we have another author, Alex White, that's going to contribute with the book. And we don't have details, but Alex has written the Salvagers trilogy and some Alien Time books. And, you know, I'm getting the impression based on what we're saying about Cassandra, and I don't know about Alex, but, you know, we're going into that era now of Picard is a new series. We hear that they're going to somehow tie in or wrap up the existing post-Nemesis books into the star trek canon right now in some manner and it makes me wonder where is the where are the books going to go past that and it sounds like we may be going back to the tv series era or movie era with maybe the troy and crusher book i don't think it's going to be a post nemesis timeline situation yeah that's a good point you know that might be where the books go now, given that, you know, there is new Star Trek being produced. So, you know, that whole post-Nemesis timeline now becomes another big question mark that, you know, maybe the book writers can't touch too much because of the plans of the show or even just keeping it open for the shows to kind of do things with. So that, I think, does present an opportunity to go back and do series books that take place during TNG and maybe even like during Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Uh, Something that, you know, a lot of fans have been interested in seeing, some fans not so interested in seeing. I, I think it'll be really interesting. We do know that 
the original series five-year missions are typically the best sellers. So, you know, maybe there will be a lot of success to be had going back during the TNG original seven-year run or something like that. Well, and there's a lot of room that they could fill. I mean, if they want to do something where books are connected and create a big storyline across multiple books, they could do it in that era between episodes, you know, make a big chunk of time in there or between generations and first contact or between any of the movies. But it would be interesting if this book did cover these two characters after Nemesis and before Picard in that timeline. And we actually see what Crusher and Troy were doing in that Star Trek Picard timeline as Picard is off dealing with Romulus. That would be really cool. Yeah. I personally, my wish list would be to see them fill in that and, and give us some like, you know, how did they get to be from there to here kind of thing. Uh, it remains to be seen whether they can, that would be, that would be cool though, if they were able to do that. Yep. So not a lot of details yet, but it does show you we have new books coming in addition to what is already planned. And that is, um, again, we don't even have dates. I couldn't even tell you if it's next year or the year after. So, but yeah, we're getting new voices. So I like our current crop of Star Trek authors. I love all their writings, but I do like to hear new authors come in. So a mix of that is very welcome. Mm -hmm. I do. That said, I do hope we still get lots more to come from voices like Dayton Ward and David Mack and Una McCormick and even Kirsten Beyer, if she has time, you know, I, I do love our Star Trek writers and uh, I, I want to hear from everybody. So yeah, that about wraps it up. We have a new episode of Lower Decks coming out in a couple days and it's the second episode called Envoys. So I want to ask you, you know, because I'm watching, uh, not Picard, but Lower Decks, on CBS All Access, and at the end of the episode, they showed a coming this season. I don't think you probably saw that. Uh, I did see it, but they don't show it on Crave or or CTV Sci-Fi, unfortunately. So uh, I, I I relied on somebody on YouTube who put it up. So, <clears throat> <laughs> well, but I did good. see that. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, we didn't necessarily get a preview of season, of of the second episode. We just got for the season. So I haven't read a, any kind of summary of what this episode is about. I'm going in cold. Do you know anything about it? I do, uh, just from trailers and what, what has been said online. Um, I don't really want to say a lot because I know some people who listen to this either aren't watching Lower Decks yet or also really don't like watching trailers are being spoiled for that. So, yeah. um, but yeah, no, um, I, I know a little bit about what this episode is about, but not a lot, just little snippets. I, I know which parts of that coming this season on this, on lower decks are from this episode, but that's oh, about it. Okay. Well, I don't know anything. I'm not going to look it up. If someone told me what it's about, that's fine, but I'm not going to go out and look for it. I just, Want to be pleasantly surprised and see what we have. So anyway, yeah. So follow us, everyone, on Twitter at Positively Trek. And uh, Dan, where can people find you? You can find me at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And, uh, you know, usually bumming around the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Yes. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And uh, we'll see you next time. Actually, uh, in Monday is when we have our review of Envoys for lower decks so check that out on monday and then this show next episode will be on tuesdays so episode reviews on mondays flagship show on tuesdays book reviews on fridays not every friday 
but on most Fridays. So check it out. So stay positive, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.